We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. White will inbound. It's off the smoke for the seventh game. Now, it may kicked in, but the buzzer sounded. The light was on. It'll be reviewed. What up, what up, what up? Welcome into another edition of Green with Envy, where, as you just heard, the Boston Celtics have forced the improbable Game 7 at the TD Garden on Monday night. As always, this is your boy, Will. We are checking in. How you doing? How you living? Joining me to talk about the wild ride of emotions that we both shared during last night's Game 6, my best friend, co-host, and the coach of the podcast, the one and only, Greg Menakis. How you doing, my friend? Bro, you call me the coach of the pod. I'm just a fan right now. I am 100% just a fan. Last night was such an experience. We were able to watch the game together, uh, watch it with our guy Ted Barry that we talk about all the time, our boy JT, and all of our homies down here in Austin. And that was quite the environment, dude. The video that you posted on Twitter says it all, like why I don't have a voice this morning. <laughs> um, I have bruises on my body just from us tackling each other. Yeah. Like, what a game that it was. Got, it got a little aggressive uh, in the celebration, but completely warranted. A game that, you know, I'm excited to talk about this game, Greg, because the more I think about it, the, the less it makes sense in so many different ways from the Celtics kind of being in control, at least from, from the score standpoint. But as we'll talk about, when you dig into this game, it is the complete opposite of everything that has ever been told to us about this team and how they win games. Yeah, It was basically the complete opposite. So with that, I think there's only one way to really do this here. Let's, let's jump in. Let's do a morning box score. Let's cue that up and let's, let's get this going for the people here. Morning box score, the Boston Celtics take down the Miami Heat in game six on the road. 104 to 103, game seven, Memorial Day, Monday night at the TD Garden. Going to be electric. I cannot imagine what that crowd is going to look like after a full Memorial Day leading up to that game at an 830 tip off at night. 
Let's start with the Miami Heat here. Jimmy Butler, 5 of 21 from the field. Did turn it on a little bit in the fourth quarter. Got it stuffed together. 24 points, 11 rebounds, 8 assists. Caleb Martin just continues to be red hot. 7 of 13, 4 of 8 from 3. 21 points for him. Bam Adebayo. 15 four, rebounds. 15, 15 rebounds. rebounds. Did miss that. 15 <laughs> rebounds. 21 points, 15 rebounds. Yeah, that's pretty insane for Caleb Martin. 15 rebounds. Bam Adebayo also struggled in this game like Jimmy Butler. 4 of 16. He had 13 rebounds, 5 assists, only 11 points. 10 points for Max Strews. 15 points for, for Gabe Vincent, who I didn't realize shot the ball 18 times last night six of 18 in his return after missing game five with a sore ankle and then duncan robinson 5 of 11 13 points for him let's go to the celtics and let's start with jason tatum here 31 points 12 rebounds five assists 15 of 15 from the line really big night from jason tim specifically in that first half jalen brown 9 of 16 and a massive and i cannot overstate how massive eight of 10 from the line from Jalen Brown is, especially where he's come from in this series, eight of 10 from the line last night, a huge factor for the Celtics. He also has a double, double 26 points, 10 rebounds, three assists, two steals. Marcus smart, another great game for him. One of his best series that he's had in a while, especially the back half of this 21 points, four rebounds. He goes four of 11 from three. And then of course you have the hero from the night, Derek white, Four of 10 from the field, three of seven from three, two of those threes coming in the fourth quarter, 11 points, six assists, four rebounds, three blocks. And of course, the game winning tip in as time expires. Greg, you know, I, I said that this game is kind of the inverse of everything the Celtics typically need to win. So I feel like I've done this throughout this postseason run run where what if I told you? Celtics would have insert X stat here, you know, this many points in the paint, this many off. You'd feel really good that they, they got a win, right? Well, here's the opposite of that. If I would have told you last night going into the game, all right, three point line, Miami's going to win that 14 to seven. Only two guys on the Celtics made three pointers last night Derek White and Marcus Smart. Turnovers, Miami, yeah, they're going to win that by seven, two. It's going to be 12 to five. And you're, I know you're probably curious, how did Jason Tatum do? in the second half scoring the ball he went one and nine from the field how, how what would your feelings have been on the chances the celtics would come away with a victory just knowing those three things i would have said zero yeah exactly with this team dude with this team like those are all the key stats and it just speaks to like the craziness of elimination games that had every bit the feeling of a game seven i think um, Miami, they had to leave it up. They they needed to win that game. I, I would be shocked if the Celtics lost game seven, considering how much effort the Heat had to put in to win that game. Even though their stars didn't play well, their stars are exhausted. Bam and Jimmy, yeah. like bit, bit, Jimmy played 47, Bam played 46 minutes last night. Both of those guys are on tired legs. I mean, they're they're relying on their role players to get the job done. Duncan Robinson and Caleb Martin were two of their most effective guys on the court last night. And if that's going to be the case for the heat in Boston, like good luck to Miami. I just don't see that happening again. Um, so I felt like Miami really needed to win if they were going to win the series. And I mean, man, the, the emotions that were just like running through the arena when Derek white had that tip in, you could just see like, when you see all the different, I, I forget who posted it, but someone posted like four different angles of that play mm -hmm. and all the actions of the crowd, the benches, and just to see how defeated the fans in Miami looked and how defeated the, the heat themselves looked. 
you got to feel good if you're if you're um, if you're a Celtics fan, if you're a Celtics player, because it's you know come back from three zero, it's historic in itself. But to have the momentum of that last play off of the tip at the buzzer, that's just got to be absolutely soul crushing. Just team. an ultimate gut punch. I mean, we can speak from our own experience that we were going through it, right? You know, you and I said this just real quick before we hit the record button here. Man, it's crazy how much last night was almost beat for beat game seven last year when Mm -hmm. you and I nearly had a breakdown at my house. You know, Taco's super confused as to what's going on. Why are these two humans running around in circles and and nearly melting down? And then Jimmy pulls up for three and misses. Last night, he decides to kind of attack Al Horford more, gets the foul call, uh, ends up at the free throw line and, and, you know, really thought that was it. And so then for Boston to be able to, to pull it out, to be able to Marcus Smart to get that shot up, which almost went in, which is the other kind of crazy part of that, of that whole scenario is yet ended up with a Marcus Smart shot. It almost went in. He played a great game. And then you had white crashing and Tatum crashing from both. So there was a lot of opportunity mm-hmm. for that. And the other thing that's really crazy Greg, that I want to bring up on that last play so earlier, I don't remember if it was the second or third quarter, but remember there was that Bam Adebayo technical foul. This is in the third of quarter. Course, yeah. a, the technical foul for grabbing the rim. It's insane that Jason Tatum, just even to like grab himself or just thinking that the game doesn't matter anymore or isn't over, that he didn't touch the rim because that negates everything. Like mm-hmm. the way that the angle he was coming in from the fact that he doesn't touch the rim, that's one of those, like the more you watch it, like, holy shit, that's, a really small thing, but a really massive IQ thing that he didn't touch the rim right there. Yeah, man, that last play is insane. I've watched it probably about a hundred times at this point. Um, you know, I did, and when I got home from the watch party last night, I just was on Twitter scrolling through, just seeing all different oh, random sleep. people. Yeah, I couldn't sleep last night. Just watching how, like, the IQ of Derek White in that play, and like the the desperation, the instincts, everything that we've said about Derek White all year, just like the fact that he just knows where to be at, at, at all the right times. And for him to make the pass to Smart, space to the corner, crash off the corner, and tip the ball in all within three seconds is bananas. Um, I, don't, I don't even know what to say. I want to watch that play one more time. Can we watch that play one more time? Cue it up. White will inbound. It's off the smoke for the seventh game. Now, Kamebin kicked in, but the buzzer sounded. The light was on. It'll be reviewed. <laughs> I just I just can't stop. I have such a shitty. If you're watching on YouTube, I have a shit eating grin right now. Can the podcast just be us watching that like as many times <laughs> in a row as we can before we run we run out of things to say about it? Like, I mean, the fact that Miami decides we're gonna double Tatum. Right. And they leave the most dangerous guy on the court, the inbounder. That's always like a huge no no is that you always want to make sure the inbounder is accounted for. And when you watch that play from a different angle, what you see is Bam is on JB in the post. Right. So he, he as uh, White is spacing to the corner, I know Smart like didn't see him. Smart was just like, I'm getting a shot up no matter what. Yeah. Um, Bam was taking a step out to White. So even though White was open, like I think Bam would have probably recovered out to the corner um, and would have contested that shot. But the fact that the Miami decided we're going to double Tatum, we're going to leave Derek White because there's only three seconds left. So it's going to be really tough to like make a pass, make another pass and get a good shot off. Smart probably gets fouled by Gabe Vincent on there. Like Gabe Vincent's definitely in his landing space. The ball goes in and out. As you said, Tatum is crashing hard. 
Derek White is just a flash of lightning, as Jalen Brown said, out of the corner. And then Struess almost blocks the shot yeah. at the rim as well. <laughs> uh, like, I'm, dude, oh my God, I'm, I'm freaking out just thinking about how excited we were in that moment because seconds before that, I had declared that this was a horrible night. Yeah. And then, I mean, it, it felt like it was crashing down. Like, it, like, I mean, like we said, it felt beat for beat that it was game seven last year, but the Heat were finally going to get the ending that that they wanted you know up 10 four minutes left you know the the heat throw out a little bit of zone and all of a sudden the celtics are confused again and the, the offense is kind of breaking down defensively you know i think it was 101 97 just a massive miscommunication between al and marcus jimmy goes right to the hoop gets an and one it just feels like it's all break. Duncan Robinson has two open looks. You know, mm -hmm. the one that he had in the left wing after Bam Adebayo got the block on Jason Tatum at the rim on a putback. That was the one that felt like, I think that was 101-100 at that point. Yeah, let me cue that one up here. Yeah, if we got that, let's go, let's go to that one. Also, the, the call... Like the the fourth quarter, Kevin Harlan calls are spectacular in this game. Yeah. Like the whole time, he's just screaming. And if you watch like the the clips of of Kevin Harlan, he like he's like a maestro there. Like the way that he controls his partners, he like when he doesn't want them to say anything, when he knows he, has he almost holds them back. Like he you're holds, in a fight, he like right? literally holds them back <laughs> so that he can say his calls. He he he's such he's such a great announcer. Um, Stan Reggie, that's another story. But that Duncan Robinson three. Holy shit, man. And the one before that was wide open where he had time to check the laces, mm -hmm. you know, and he was, you know, you were, you were saying before we came on that Robinson was getting killed on Twitter and everything, but like, he was one of the only reasons that they were actually in the game in the first place, but Duncan Robinson wide open for back to back three pointers. And he misses both of them. When he missed the first one, you're like, Oh, thank God. If he gets another one, he's probably going to make it. Yeah. And he missed the second one. So the Celtics just kept getting these little breaks, little breaks throughout the game where like every time it felt like the heat were about to do their thing and like fi finally take control of the game. Cause we were just hanging on to a four point lead to a seven point lead. And they would always kind of uh, vacillate back between those two or oscillate back. I don't know what's the right word there. Vacillate, oscillate. You're, but you're the wordsmith. I, I think it's oscillate. Oh, you can't like figure fan, it out then. Like, like a fan, yeah. you know, oscillates back and forth. So oscillating back between four and seven, Man, and then they take the lead, but let's take a break. We're, yeah, let's, we're let's, let's, take, let's, let's take a break. break. We'll come back. Gather our and, thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what the plan is here, if you listen to the podcast, you're going to hear a few more clips. We're going to kind of walk through the emotions of some of these big plays here. If you're on YouTube, you're going to get to see the clips. So uh, stay tuned. We'll be right back. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. 
That's indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, Greg. So we're still finding finding our way through this journey of what was, I mean, honestly, that's one of the greatest games in, in NBA history. Like that's, and I'm being a little bit hyperbolic, but that's going to be up there. That's an all time game that everyone who was watching will remember that game. You know, if like, the Celtics like, win game seven. I mean, even if they don't, I think this game, I mean, it, it takes on a different role if the Celtics win game seven, because then it becomes part of the, you know, it's no longer zero and 150. It's one and 150, right? That's, it's, that takes on, it takes on a different level, but this is still going to be a historic game. This is, you know, I saw someone put this out there. And I think this is pretty good uh, equivalent of it. The Derek Fisher 0.4 shot, mm. right? It, it feels like it has that type of like, I remember where I was watching that game. I didn't think there was a chance. So, you know, I, I think what Greg and I are going to try and do here, Greg's got a couple of clips of some really big moments queued up here. So for the YouTube crowd, you're going to see the play here. If you're listening on the, on the podcast feed here, you're going to hear it, but we're going to, we're going to walk through it, Greg. So let, let's go through the first play that, that you got ready to go here. Well, like I was saying, there were all these moments in the game where the Celtics would step up and make a big play or the Heat would mess up in a big moment. And the first one I want to draw attention to is Jalen Brown. Right, so Jalen Brown goes out with four fouls, and this is actually a Joe Missoula comment as well. We can talk about how great yeah. Joe was in that game. But Jalen goes out with four fouls around the 10-minute mark of the third quarter. And we're talking during the game, and people are asking, like, oh, when do we bring JB back? And I'm like, I don't know that you can bring him back until the fourth just because he has a tendency to get out of control. Um, he almost had that fifth foul crash into the corner with Bam, right, when he's going for that loose ball. So, like, JB is not the player that I trust to play through four fouls, right? But Joe was like, listen, JB's probably been our second best player on the court tonight. And some argument he could have been the best player the way that he was playing on the defensive end as well. Dude, and Jalen Brown yeah. on the offensive glass last night, five offensive rebounds, just constantly crashing from that weak side. He had some massive, massive offensive rebounds in that game. I mean, it's the fact that he had a double double last night. That was huge. Hey, absolutely. And we put Jalen back in the first play that we go back in with Jalen Brown. We go with Jalen as the screener, which is scary because if we get a moving screen there on his fifth foul, that just kills me. And Jalen rolls to the middle um get i think he gets gabe vincent in a mismatch and he finishes over the top of him which is also scary because gabe vincent's good at drawing charges so let's cue that play up no question and for the, the second team. best player you said gabe vincent you said brown is barreling into the defense of vincent and finds the two and he's got 15. Right in that moment, the Celtics are up four, 69-65. So that was one of those moments. We're oscillating back between four points, six points. Like, is this a two-possession game? Is it a three-possession game? Like all these little moments that as fans you're super locked into. Like, oh, if we can if we can play like 90 seconds of great basketball, we could get this to a five-possession game. Like, let's just do that. And it never really got to that point. I think there was one point where the Celtics got up at like 13 or something like that. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, it was hanging between four and seven. And that play was huge. Well, that was, I mean, like you're saying, it, it, and we were saying this in live time, we should be up by more. Like mm -hmm. the, it, it just, it felt like that classic Celtics game where there's just opportunities being missed. It's great. I'm happy that we're winning. Cause like, like I said, once again, reading all those stats, this should not a game that the Celtics led for, I, I don't have it in front of me, but it's probably something like 85 to 90% of the game. The Celtics had the lead. You know, it wasn't until uh, I think Jimmy Butler had a putback on a Duncan Robinson layup that they took a lead, something like 83, 82. And that was their first lead since 11 to nine. 
earlier in the game. And then they didn't really get it back until Jimmy Butler hit those three free throws to go up 103-102. So, you know, this stretch from Jalen Brown that we're focusing on right now, to your point, number one, Missoula deserves a ton of credit. You know, Missoula, I I think, coached a really, really good game last night. Uh, I think there's very few things that you can you can really pick at from a coaching standpoint. And Jalen Brown really was able to kind of steady the tide. And what was the third quarter that had an opportunity to get away, to get away from them? You know, Jalen Brown has eight points in the quarter and immediate. I think it's I think it's the immediacy of him coming back in and getting those, you know, four points right away to just, you know, to, to quote our guy, Adam Taylor, who's not here today. I got this, you know, the blue streak in him, right? Mm-hmm. To be able to settle everything down. And so, you know, Jalen Brown last night, I I don't want to say it's an underappreciated double-double, but I, I think last night was, I, I would, last night was definitely his best game of the series. And it was, it was a really important game because he hit shots that I think settled everybody down at times with his mid-range, being able to take advantage of that Gabe Vincent matchup, which I think from game one, has been an area that we've always thought that he should be able to take advantage of more than what has happened in this series. But last night, I think his ability to shoot over Gabe Vincent, do so confidently, and then go to the free throw line and make eight out of 10 free throws mm-hmm. where we have seen his confidence just completely rocked at different points in this series. You know, you can only hope that that's, that's going to roll over for him as we head to game seven. Definitely. Yeah, I want to play that second JB bucket in in the third quarter. Um, This is also on Gabe Vincent. This is why I have that Jalen Brown reminds me a little bit of T-Mac right when he drives left and just pulls up strong. Um, So this is a little shot from Jalen Brown. This is the fourth point within like the first 90 seconds of him being back in the game with four fouls. They have really got to get the ball in the basket. Brown, the stop and start of the two. Good shot. Brown hits it. 17 for Jalen Brown. Right. And that point Celtics go up by eight, mm-hmm. you know, that that's, that's when it's like, Oh, now it's a three possession game. Let's go Celtics. Celtics got this. How many times do we say last night as we were watching the game? Like, Oh, I think the Celtics got this. Like we just need a couple more plays to go our way. Text to my brother as we're going into the fourth and we're only up seven. And he's like, I guess we got to be happy that we're up seven yeah. going to the fourth quarter right now. And I, I'm like, I know, dude, like we, we need to be up 15. It feels like a 15 point game, but this was the difference. Like in game five, the Celtics made all of those big plays that like kept the heat at the 12 to 15 mark, right? Mm-hmm. This game, the heat had a couple plays that got them over the hump back into a game where if you're Miami, it's all you can ask for is for game to be close going down the stretch, because as they've shown, even last night, they're the better team in crunch time. Yeah, I mean, Jimmy Butler has, you know, who was quiet all night. You know, we talked about him and Bam Adebayo's shooting night. Five of 21 from Jimmy, four of 16. And w- once again, this is the part where we look at we look at a lot of times, like, all right, how did the Stars do? Because a lot of times that's just what it comes down to in the playoffs. And it was clearly advantage Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. But then you get to the fourth quarter, and Jimmy Butler finds a way to get 15 of his 24 points in the fourth quarter, getting to that free throw line. And so once again, another part of this that just doesn't quite seem to make sense how the Celtics walked away with this victory. Like you said, it was this nervous acceptance of, well, a lead's better than not a lead, but I don't mm-hmm. like the lead that we have. Exactly. <laughs> like I think that's the best way to put it. So just a, a very, very confusing game. Um, hold on, I think I have one more clip that I wanted to, to get. White will inbound. It's off the smoke for the seventh game. Now, Tremendon kicked in, but the buzzer sounded. The light was on. It'll be reviewed. 
Sorry, I, I just need to watch that again. Yeah, yeah, it's a good clip to get to. It's a good clip to get to. <laughs> I, I, I was wondering which one you're going to pull up, but I was like, I see what you did there. Um, another big moment as we're going through all these all these momentum shifts in the game, right? As you mentioned, Jimmy Butler has the put back, and the, I think they go up 83-82. And yeah. it's like, man, what are the Celtics going to do? How are they going to respond here in this moment? And you alluded to this earlier in the pod. But the Bam out of bio grabbing the rim technical that turns into a four point play where Jalen Brown hits both of the free throws. And we were like, why? First of all, why, why is Jaylen, technical? Yeah, that why might be the Jaylen biggest the uh, objection to Joe Missoula. Did you not realize the technical anyone can shoot? <laughs> like, yeah. we, we can't let Jalen Brown, like, thank God he made it, but we can never let him do that again. Yeah. So let's pull up that four point play because this is, this is one of the biggest moments of the game. Set up the offensive rebound by Butler. Robinson just picked up his second foul. Brown twisting. And Marcus, if you're watching that play, Marcus immediately calls out that that was a goaltend that he grabbed the rim. Like not everybody is locked in in that moment, but Marcus saw it because yeah. he had the perfect view from it. And the fact that we got the technical, we got the goaltending call because Bam actually blocked the mm -hmm. shot and Jalen hit the and one because he got fouled on the play as well. Like what a what a momentum momentum swing for the Celtics, and they go up by three after that because they were down by one. And, 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 and to I, your and, point, that puts it right back into that window or that pocket that the mm -hmm. Celtics had kind of lived in, right? Miami takes it back, and you know because it's 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 always in those comebacks, right? Or not comebacks, but just those games where you struggle. Like, man, we if we can just crack getting over that hump of. of four points or three points or whatever. And that's kind of where Miami had lived throughout the entire game. Sorry, they're not making a run to run away with this game, but we can't quite get over that hump to get under, you know, four points, three points, make it a one possession game and, mm -hmm. and take the lead. And then for them to finally do it, have the crowd, you know, really in really into it. Pretty decent crowd last night from Miami. I'll give I'll give them that. You know, like have them back in it on their sides. And then immediately to have Honestly, it helped probably a little bit that there was a review. It kind of slowed the pace a little bit. And then on top of that, it's a four point possession in your, you know, despite your excitement of finally getting over that hump, you're right back really quickly in one possession. You are right back to where you've been all night trying to find your way to just get over that hump. And I think I have the chronology right here. I might be off by by a couple um, possessions here, here or there. But another big play I want to point out in that fourth quarter, I think it's almost directly after this. Uh, Bam Adebayo gets an opportunity for, I, th I think, an offensive rebound put back dunk. And Big Daddy Al comes out of nowhere and stuffs Bam Adebayo at the rim when Bam is just one of those guys. I mean, thinking back to the bubble with that block on Tatum, he's had all these moments at the rim where Bam is the more forceful of the players. And Al Horford steps up huge in this moment and sends that shit back. Robinson sets up for a two-point shot. And that, that is directly after the, the four-point play, right? So yeah. it goes four-point play, Al Horford block, Jalen Brown in transition, hits Back two more free block. throws, yep. right? 88-83, and you're feeling great at that moment. You're like, wow, we're getting all these plays, like Al stuffing Bam at the rim. There's no way we are losing this game. And it just continued to, to kind of go from there. I have a couple more plays that we can pull up here, Will, but what, yeah, do you, what, were, your th what were your thoughts on that? I, I mean – once again, like you said, everything was was breaking our way, despite the fact that you and I were tracking the stats that we've alluded to here. And we're like, 
this doesn't add up, man. We just we 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 know this team inside and out too well. We know this series inside and out too well. Something is is gonna have to give here, but it just felt like it was all going our way until we get to that about four and a half minute mark, right? And then it finally started to to creep in some of you know the the bad offensive possessions, a few breakdowns, the just getting tight late. I don't know what it is with this team late. It's and it's really funny because I, I know when you go back to the regular season. You would think this team feels like they're so bad in close games. Their clutch numbers are actually not bad. Like that's yeah. the weirdest part about this. If you dig into their stats, like they're, I think they were technically actually one of the better clutch teams in the NBA. They have a decent clutch rating. They're in the top ten. Like it's it, it's really hard to understand how this team operates sometime. But you know, last night, like you said, during that stretch, it felt like holy crap, we're gonna hold on. Miami, of course, gave us a scare, and then. Just just unbelievable the way it ended up. Let, let's go to the next clip that you got You got ready to go here. Yeah, let's take a quick break. Uh, let's take our last break of the pod, and then we're going to go through the, the last two good moments for the Celtics before all the bad moments, before the best moment. All right, Greg. Let's let's go to let's keep the good times rolling here. What's the what's the next clip you got for us? Okay, next clip I got here, the man of the night, uh, Derek White. Okay, uh, with about five minutes left, which I think is like a little bit after the plays we just watched, Derek White hits one of the seven three pointers that the Boston Celtics hit in the game last night. I, I don't think, home before you queue up this clip, I just don't like this is going to be a trivia question at some point. I don't know how you're going to word it, but the fact that only Derek White and Marcus Smart hit threes last night like, once again, back to the, the stats I laid out, Greg, what if I told you, you know, 0 of 14 from Al Horford, Jason Tatum, and Jalen Brown from three. 0 of 14. Mm-hmm. And the only guys to make threes are Derek White and Marcus Smart. Like, like I, you can't even make that shit up. That's, I, I still can't comprehend it, and I'm looking at the numbers directly in my face. Well, that, I mean, we, we didn't t- talk about it, but Brogdon obviously didn't play in the game right. last night. I think his absence without Brogdon on the court to be that other like 45% three point mm-hmm. shooter, Jalen Brown getting in foul trouble where you're like, damn, like this is the one thing we couldn't have because we don't have Brogdon tonight. Sam Hauser played two minutes in the first half, yeah. but you could, you very quickly, you saw Joe was like, nah, I got to have my best players on the court. Like Sam's not one of my best players. Sorry. Um, and then Grant had a horrible game, horrible yeah. game last night where he He's had a great hit. series up to last night, but last night was, was, was bad. Oh. And I think part of that was, you know, was the Spolster move of just not playing Cody Zeller and not playing, yeah. uh, you know, Kevin Love last. Kevin Love, yeah. zero minutes. I think Cody Zeller played like two minutes or, or something. Yeah, 221 he played last night. I, I think that made a big difference because now it leaves, you know, Grant Williams to go chase Max Struess or go yeah. chase. Not a good spot. And that's not his spot. Yeah. All right. So let's play this Derek White three pointer. Out of bumper out of bio. Out of bumper out of bio. Screen by Williams, three by White. Good! That was a big-time triple, and he's got nine. Another huge shot right there. Celtics, once again, up four. Celtics make a big shot. Derek White is, is, is the man of the hour. Rob Williams, that's a great screen. Miscommunication right there at the top, and Derek White gets his shot where he's able to walk in off that left-hand dribble into a three-pointer, which is something that we didn't see much of last year, but the confidence of D. White that we saw over the last six weeks of the season, that was a shot that we started to see more and more where White was dancing around the pick and roll and able to pull up off the three. Huge moment. Celtics go up seven. So we've talked about Derek White in, you know, we've given him, 
I've made the joke before giving him so many flowers that that my florist ran out. You know what I mean? Like we, we talked about him so much on this podcast. We've called him multiple times. He's the third best player on this team this season, you know, subject to change in future years. But but this year, there was no doubt he was the third best player throughout this postseason. He's been he's been good. He's had obviously had had, had some moments. The last parts of, of this this whole series, really, and especially the last couple of games or so, he's made some just permanent marks on this series mm-hmm. as to why he's so important to this team. You know, we beg throughout stretches of the season, like, Joe, listen, we know the Jays are going to be out there. Most likely, Al's going to be out there in most moments. The other guy that you just unquestionably have to have out there every single night is Derek White. And last night is an awesome representation of several of those reasons why you just talked about the not newfound, but it was just different from last year coming over in a trade. It's just difficult that he didn't have, you know, quite the rhythm, but the confidence that we've seen in that three point shot and the ways in which he will take that three point shot, that last clip was something we never saw last year. Like you said, that was not Mm -hmm. a part of the Derek white package this year. We've seen it plenty of times this year. He's shooting 55% from three in this series. You know, Derek white has been a different player shooting the ball this entire year that rolled over into last night, knocking down two, two of the seven threes. The Celtics hit last night in the fourth quarter. You just showed one of them. And then of course that last play, you know, we talk about this with Derek white, even going back to last year, his IQ, he's an accentuator. He's a guy that connects everything on this team. You know, you laid it out when we opened the podcast, all the things that Derek white had to do, in that three second clip from inbounding the ball, spacing, crashing, you know, get it, get just tipping it up before Max Struess can get in, can, can get from behind and, and block that shot. You know, Derek, that was the full culmination of how special of a Derek White season there's been. That, that fourth quarter is just such a great representation of Derek White this year. Yeah. And the other guy that hit three pointers last night, Marcus Smart, you know, he, we've, Marcus has gotten a lot of the brunt of criticism this year because Derek White's been so good and like somebody has to come off the court in crunch time. Obviously, Celtics fans love and trust Marcus Smart, but we have a complicated relationship with Marcus Smart and some of the decision makings that he made. And the fact that Marcus Smart was the one to shoot that three pointer last night, I'm sure a lot of Celtics fans were thinking like, oh, like fucking obviously Marcus is the one to shoot that shot. But oh, yeah, to- if, if there was a way to live bet who was taking that last <laughs> shot, like Marcus Smart, they, they would have had to give him negative odds and you couldn't even get you couldn't have got positive odds on that oh yeah i mean like and that's the thing about marcus right as much as you want to criticize the guy he's never afraid of a big moment and marcus had a, had a huge moment a little bit earlier in the fourth fourth quarter where he drives on duncan robinson maybe gets away with a little bit of an offensive foul finishes the and one and the celtics i think at this point go up 10 and this is where we all look at each other and we're like we're up 10 with like four minutes left there's no way we can lose this game Tatum's been tearing him up as has smart robinson awakes defends him inside smart what a play marcus smart dives for two and a foul Marcus Smart, love and trust, man. And the the great thing about having Duncan Robinson on the court is that he's a target out there, right? Max Struess can't really go at Max Struess just because he's a little bit more of a physical defender. He moves his feet a little better than Robinson. Anytime the Celtics had the opportunity to go at Duncan Robinson, I felt like they did a pretty good job of of trying to do that, which is why Spolstra ended up going zone over the last four or five minutes of the game because he realized that he cannot 
play man to man with Duncan Robinson on the court, but Duncan Robinson needed to be on the court because he was he was so effective on the offensive end. But that at that point in the game, well, I think it was five minutes left. We're we're thinking we're good. There's no way the Celtics blow this. Like the Heat have had their moments, they had their chances, and they just weren't going to get over the hill. But then the bad stuff starts to happen. You ready to get into the bad stuff? Yeah, let's talk about it because I think that's going to set us up to then talk about game seven, right? Because then we have to kind of figure out because like that's the other crazy part. There's another game like last night had every feel of an elimination game. And I, I agree with what you said earlier, Greg. It felt like it, it feels like Miami has known like once they didn't sweep, this was kind of their game. And I think they even approached that a little bit in game five, the way that, you know, Gabe Vincent, it seems like if that was an elimination game, he probably would have played, uh, you know, they rested. They just basically, they didn't quit, but they just, they, they left everybody on the bench with, you know, down 12 to 15 points in the, in the fourth quarter to rest up for this game. You talked about how, you know, Jimmy and Bam play what 46, 47 minutes last night, basically just don't leave the court. Like that felt like they, they were all in on this game. So the fact that there's still, another game is is almost it's like it's hard to fathom right so yeah so i think talking about what went wrong will lead us into to game seven but yeah like you said we we get up 10 with about four four and a half minutes left queue up game seven last year it it really felt like it you know the celtics they get stagnant they start slowing the pace a little bit the zone throws them off they're not getting the looks that they need you know i I think initially when they went to that zone and correct me if i'm wrong here i think rob was in the game and then al i mean excuse me missoula to his credit Mm -hmm. does make the al switch at one of the upcoming free throws to get that back in but it was just really hard for the celtics to get good looks and then you know miami started making some plays jimmy butler got to the free throw line i'm gonna pull this up here real quick i think he got to the free throw line 10 times in the fourth quarter yeah jimmy butler scored 15 points in the fourth quarter 10 times he got to the free throw line eight of those points coming from from that area and so you know Miami god damn was that scary last night as they were starting to make that comeback in the last four minutes yeah let's get into some of Butler's moments because Jimmy obviously had a terrible game up until the fourth quarter the Celtics were completely in his head he didn't want the ball uh didn't want to attack the rim Rob Williams giving him fits Derek White blocked his shot like all these things that Jimmy, like when, when we look at him, we see the stuff that he did to Drew Holiday in the Buck series. That was a fresh Jimmy Butler. This is mm-hmm. a Jimmy Butler that's had to carry a team for three rounds. And the weight of not having Tyler Hero and not having another guy that can just go out and create their own shot with the Celtics having figured out Bam at, at the at the nail, like Bam against Al Horford at the nail at the beginning yeah. of the series. I was like, I don't want that matchup. Now Al looks at Bam's like, I figured him out. Same thing he said about Joel Embiid in the last series. He was like, just give me a few games and I'll figure this guy out. He's that smart on the defensive end. But the one of the big moments here, Celtics I think are up 10 at this point. Jimmy Butler, by all means, Jimmy, shoot three-pointers. He decides to shoot a three-pointer, step back on Marcus Smart. And I think this starts the the Jimmy Butler show down the stretch. Seven point game, approaching two to play. Butler with a long shot of three. Jimmy Butler just canned a three. Seventeen for him. When Jimmy Butler hit that three to get the game back to four, it was a seven point game. Gets it back to four, as we said, it was like hey, oscillating between those two numbers. They run that little action. Um, Jimmy Butler sets the screen, a little ghost screen action, spaces out to the corner. I think it was Robinson made the good pass to him. And Smart 
lets Jimmy take a rhythm dribble into a corner three. Where if there's any three-pointer, I feel a little bit worried about Jimmy Butler taking, it's a corner three because he doesn't have great range. The corner three is a little bit shorter. And anytime Jimmy can get a rhythm into a shot and get his legs into it, you got to feel good about that. And at that point, two minutes left, crowd's going crazy. I'm freaking out. We're all looking at each other like, damn, are we really about to lose this game? Like, is this really about to happen? And especially Jimmy going to his right. That's that's kind yeah. of his go-to. I mean, you saw him trying desperately to get that shot at the end of the game. That's the shot that Al Horford fouled him on where he was just one everything he was doing was was built on him going right to get that momentum, like you said, to get to that corner, to get the ability to to have enough space to 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 jump up and get that shot off. That I mean, what he did in that clip you just showed was was realistically what he was trying to do, you know, in that in that final shot where where he gets fouled. And you know, when Jimmy hit that three, then in the clip that we just watched here, that's when it really kind of hit me personally, where I was like, oh my god, this, <laughs> I, I think this might happen. I think yeah. that they might pull this off here. Like it's it, it, Jimmy just has this aura about him where, and you know, I was I was talking to I, I remember someone had asked me about like um, like. You know Jimmy Butler, like, oh, he doesn't really have it. I'm like, I don't know, man. We're we're leaving this game within range of him just needing to have three possessions. Jimmy Butler will forever have three possessions in him to just convince himself that it doesn't matter that I'm three for 19 right now. I'll all I have to do is go two for two and we win this game. And he's got that in him. He's got the ability to draw fouls. You know, he's a master at, at getting to the to the free throw line. He's been one of the best guys in the NBA over the last couple of years of doing that. And so this, this, this that was the moment for me where it really set in. Because seven points, you, you still feel like, all right, as long as we can keep, you know, this is this is a safe distance for how much time's left. Once once Jimmy hit that shot, momentum was swinging. The offense was confused. That's when I, I felt probably the most internal panic for myself. Definitely, definitely. And to your point earlier about how this was like uh, reliving Game 7 from last year, there's that huge moment, obviously, at the end of Game 7 last year where Jimmy Butler is in transition, sees Al Horford in front of him, and decides to pull up 4-3 off a right-handed dribble in rhythm. And a lot of people are like, oh, he probably should have drove it out. In this game, he gets the same opportunity. He sees Al Horford in front of him. Not the exact same opportunity, but he has a he, he can dance with Al Horford or he can drive at Al Horford. He decides to drive at Al Horford. Another bad moment for Al here with a foul. Uh, Jimmy Butler and one in the game gets closer. Four-point game less than a minute to go. Butler catches his way inside. Jimmy learned his lesson. I mean, watching yeah. it back now, that's even like closer to exactly what happened last year. Yeah. Uh, like, I mean, he's wide open at the on the right wing where he could have pulled that three after just having hit that previous three. We were mm-hmm. thinking like, oh, he's now he's feeling it. Um, but he drives right at Al Horford. Horford tries to reach and Jimmy gets the end one and hits the free throw. It's a one point game. Yeah, not not a great stretch at the end for Al. Obviously, we highlighted the block that he had. You know, Al's always got to have like a few moments, but uh, nearly the scapegoat last night, Al Horford, between the play that we just showed there, which which also was a bit on Marcus Smart, definitely a miscommunication across the board as Jimmy just got a wide open lane to to go steamrolling down, and then of course the last play in which maybe there was a double dribble. I don't know what, what your interpretation on that was. I know that's kind of like I feel like I've seen both sides of it, and I could kind of see it. Um, either way, but you know, definitively, you know, did it, it wasn't Al Horford 
foul that that nearly cost us the game and you know it was it was almost a rough night to have al horford grilling as our as our yeah. victory picture <laughs> yeah and then you know we talked about the duncan robinson um second miss three-pointer but like almost directly after that where it's a one-point game the m1 duncan robinson gets an opportunity i'm going to pull that up here because this is where Finally, I like could breathe a little bit before the end where I couldn't breathe at all, where I was like, oh, Duncan Robinson missed that wide open three. We're so lucky. We still might somehow win this game. Tom Martin, Robinson for the tie. Smart's got it. So that was my chronology off just a little bit. That was actually right before the Jimmy Butler, yeah. Jimmy Butler play. But, you know. The fact that they were down three in that moment, I think, what was it? Smart got fouled and only hit one out of two free throws. Yeah, on hit one out of two to make it 102-100. Um, but yeah, just watching that back right now, the fact that Duncan Robinson has a chance to take a free throw dribble and, yeah. then, and then get into check a the shot, laces. check the laces, and then and then you add in the play uh, after that that he misses off on the left wing off the, the BAM block in transition. God, and like and like we said, Duncan Robinson, I you know, he scored 10 points in the fourth quarter. Duncan Robinson mm-hmm. got off the bounce and you know, one of the the putback to go 83-82 was was created off of, you know, Jimmy uh Duncan Robinson penetration on a missed layup that gave Jimmy the opportunity to go get that rebound. So yeah, looking back, I can't especially the series that Duncan Robinson's having, the way that Miami's gone about trying to get wins, it almost I mean, not from our perspective, but from, you know, obviously Miami perspective, that would have been poetry for it to end with a few Jimmy Butler plays, but but ultimately a, you know, one of these unheralded role guys stepping up and, and hitting a dagger. So the fact that the Celtics escaped that is, yeah, I mean, I mean, they're certainly lucky. And here's the thing. Last night, listening to some of the Celtics, like obviously they're overjoyed with, with how this game goes, but there also was a self-realization in a lot mm-hmm. of their answers that, hey, listen, you get a win however you can when it's the postseason, when it's the Eastern Conference Finals. But we got lucky. We got lucky that the Heat didn't get this game for all the reasons that we're talking about and including these two Duncan Robinson misses. Absolutely. And um, I, I got to get out of here. So let's do a quick uh, Game 7 game seven predictions and then uh, we'll, we'll play people out with some sweet, sweet music that uh, was just released last night. Okay, but before we do that... White will inbound. It's off the smoke for the seventh game. Now, Tremendous tipped in, but the buzzer sounded. The light was on. It'll be reviewed. We have the we have the same brain. Go ahead. Yeah. Okay. Game, 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 game seven. What you got? <laughs> so game seven, Monday night, gonna be what should be an electric atmosphere in, in the TD Garden. Uh, I think the first thing that, you know, you, you brought it up, the Brogdon injury certainly came to fruition last night. When you look at the three-point shooting, when you look at the breakdown of scoring, you know, I told you when we met up, one of whether it's Marcus, Al, Derek, somebody's got to go for more than 15. Marcus Smart did that last night. Derek White stepped up in the clutch. You know, we'll have to see what Brogdon's status is. And the other thing that we we didn't really touch on, but I do think is is noteworthy, is something was going on with with, with Rob's left arm or left wrist or whatever it might be. You know, that's something to to keep an eye on because, you know, we've said the Celtics have seven starters. Well, maybe maybe they're down two or maybe there's two that, that aren't fully healthy. You know, we know the Heat are banged up, but that's just from a Celtics perspective, something that, that kind of could change what it looks like for, for the Celtics. But I think as we look to game seven, you know, we didn't really talk much about Jason Tatum in this game. Jason Tatum was unbelievably special in that first half. You know, last night, you know, I'm pulling up the stat here. 
most 30, 10, and 5 games in a single postseason in NBA history. LeBron James, 2018, had seven of them. Last night, Jason Tatum just joined him. We're still in the Eastern Conference Finals right now. Seven games of 30, 10, and 5. His ability to impact the game and even going one of nine in the second half still felt like he was an impactful player in that second half with his defense, with his facilitation. You know, I, I think so. I think my point being when it gets to game seven, I'm looking at this being a Jason Tatum game. I'm look, I mean, obviously little bias having been there for the last Jason Tatum game seven in which he dropped 51 points. I don't know if that's what's coming, but I, it feels like Tatum is seizing the moment also based off some of the, you know, just the way that he's internalizing some of his comments from, from last night in the post game. I'm looking at game seven. I'm nervous about the Rob Williams, Malcolm Brogdon factor with their injuries. I think Spoh's going to throw a lot of zone out there. I think there's going to be a lot more. I was actually surprised that we didn't really see it until late. I thought it would be mixed in a little bit more by Spo. I would fully expect to see a lot more of that because I think he's going to run with a similar lineup. Very little to know Kevin Love and Cody Zeller in Game 7. And so I think at different times he's going to feel compelled to do that. How the Celtics react to that zone could ultimately determine what happens in Game 7. But I'm riding with Jason Tatum in a Game 7 at home. What are you thinking? Or how are you feeling? I feel pretty much exactly the same, except I think the Celtics, I think this is very similar to uh, Celtics Lakers in 08 uh, game six in Boston, where it just was too much. The, the wave of emotion from the crowd, the Celtics having all this momentum uh, coming off of three straight victories and that heartbreaking loss for the Heat. I think the Boston Celtics take care of business in Game 7. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown step up. I think the three-pointers go down. Um, and I hopefully by the fourth quarter, like halfway through the fourth quarter, the starters are out. We're feeling good. Miami, well, I mean, the starters probably won't be out because it's Joe. Yeah, but the start, it's yeah. game seven. I, I just, yeah. I would just leave them on the court, <laughs> which yeah. I think it is what it is. Hopefully, we get some Geno time, and um, with that, will uh, because I do have to, I have to get out of here. We're gonna play people out with some new music released uh, last night, actually, if if you so have it, from a new artist down here in uh, in in Texas. Uh, well, he spent some time in Texas, in San Antonio, and this is uh, a game winner from Derek White. Off the smoke for the seventh game. Now, Kamilbin kicked in, but the buzzer sounded. The light was on. It'll be 